What is up, people? And welcome in to yet another episode. I think I normally say edition. This time I'm going to say episode of the Return of the War podcast. March Madness edition. Uh, it is officially March. I got the tournament on behind me. First game's going on, Michigan and Colorado State. Um, but the true sign of the madness is the Sacramento Kings are probably playing their most gritty basketball of the season. I don't, I don't want to say best, but they're, they're definitely playing uh, the toughest that they've played all season uh, here with, what, 12 games to go uh, in the season, nothing really to play for. And here the Sacramento Kings are taking down the Chicago Bulls, the third best or fourth best team in the East, I think, by record. And then last night taking the uh, Milwaukee Bucks pretty much down to the stretch um, before just not being able to uh, to go shot for shot with the defending champs. Frank, let's start off with that, with last night. Um, I mean, just first off, I mean, I think the biggest thing has been the effort. How 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 have you felt about the effort? Obviously, you've loved to see it, but but what what has really stuck out to you about uh, what's been different these past two games? Well, if, if anyone had any, if they, they were guessing whether or not the Kings were still really playing hard for the play-in, I mean, it's pretty clear to the players they don't care about the draft pick. They don't care about shutting anything down. They're going to go full tilt when they're out there. And the past two games, like you said, it's kind of weird to say, oh, they're playing their best basketball of the season. But, I mean, if you were going to put last the last two games in, you know, in a bracket of March Madness pun for you, of their best games of the season. I think that would be probably, you know, top seeds right there of best mm-hmm. games of the year. That was like should unintent- try to make as many March Madness puns that was an, and like references as possible. That was like an unintentional I, pun. I didn't no, find that was a good one. That was a good thank, one. Thank you. Thank you. But no, are, and it's a factual one too. I, I definitely agree with you. I think in terms of effort and in terms of uh, play, like those, those have to be two of the top four performances we saw from the team this year, for sure. Um, especially considering competition. And it's, uh, and it's it's De'Aaron, De'Aaron Fox playing fan like he had a, a bad game last night, but I mean he scored forty points um, against Utah. Then he scores an almost effortless thirty four points against Chicago. That obviously plays a huge part in it. And and I'm not going to say De'Aaron struggles last night completely took the Kings out of the game. I do think if he's having a regular De'Aaron game, they they win obviously. And the hand thing we'll kind of get into if we're concerned about that later on. But basically the last two games. It's, it's it's basketball. The Kings are playing basketball, and I was <laughs> NBA telling Brendan, basketball. Yeah, and I was I was telling our friend Brendan Nunez that it, it's refreshing to me because I'm we're watching a basketball game, mm-hmm. not a Sacramento Kings game. Yeah, there's a difference. There's a total difference to that. And you out there you listening snaps for that one, Queen. Yeah, you 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 know what I'm talking about. You know what I'm talking about. It, it's it, watching these guys compete, and and they did go shot for shot for a minute, but like you said at the end the champs are going to champ and Chris Middleton and Giannis, the Kings couldn't, they can't go shot for shot with those guys on, even on their best day. And last night was one of their best days. So um, it's kind of one of the perfect scenarios if, if, for the Kings who they, they aren't going to make the play in. They, they probably aren't going to be able to make that much of a jump up in the, the draft standings mm-hmm. there. It, it's pretty impossible for them to kind of get above that fifth spot. Basically their sites are on the five spot. So, it's a perfect scenario of them playing a great game, showing some fight, watching Fox and Sabonis play together, watching Dante DiVincenzo play fantastic against his his former team. Trey Lyles, conversation we're going to have to have about him, whether or not the Kings should pick up his team option for next season. 
and then the Kings still lose the game. It's a perfect scenario, perfect storm, if 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 you if you will. So yes, I did see that floated out as well on social media. Is um, definitely people saying like this is about as good as you can hope for 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 this team specifically, a, a team that's hoping to show some promise. And and it's kind of the conundrum that I've been talking about that I've personally been having internally um, with trying to figure out where I want this team to land. You know, I, I was saying. I really wanted this team to not look bad. I don't think we've seen this team look bad for what, 15 years now, 16 years. Like it's not, it is not a positive sign for the team to just, you know, never look good at any point in the season and then just hope that next year, all of a sudden things turn around. Um, But at the same time, acknowledging that it is in the best interest of the team for them to lose games, to improve their draft pick. Um, And so, yeah, I definitely, I do agree with the fact that if you're going to have your cake and eat it too, I think last night is the kind of game that you want to see from the Kings because for sure, I mean, there, if, if the Kings put for that effort, I'm not entirely sure Milwaukee had their best game, but um I think if the Kings put that effort forward, they could they could win that game five out of ten times or something like that. You know, I I think um, it just so happened that last night, like you said, I mean, you're just not going to go shot for shot with those guys and and come out on top. Um, And I'm actually looking at the fourth quarter numbers specifically. Uh, Two things stick out to me very much. First off, uh, actually, I'm going to say three things. King shot 63 percent in that fourth quarter couldn't miss and still did not matter, which is again, a testament to the fact that Milwaukee, if you're going to go shot for shot with them, it's just not going to happen. Number two, six of eight from three Milwaukee was in that fourth quarter. I drew just hammering home that point. Drew was three of three from three. Yeah. Yeah. Middleton was two of three from three in that fourth quarter, um, which from three, which, uh, you know, I I can say a lot about Chris Middleton's game last night and reasons why. Um, But the third thing, which is directly tied to Chris Middleton and something I want to talk about here, my guy, but specifically your guy, Harrison Barnes. Not a single minute registered the fourth quarter. I listened to Alvin's post game. He was asked about it. I believe he said, you know, like, it's just we have a group of guys that know, like, we're going to go with the best five out there. And I think those five had had a nice role together. And, um, you know, we, we, we're going to keep those guys in there until we feel like we, we need to change, I think is pretty much his his, his quote, um, paraphrasing a little, but. Harrison Barnes just just did not, you know, in in a game where I'm not going to say the Kings needed to win last night, but in a game where they're one guy away from from really pulling off back to back wins against two of the better teams in the NBA. Harrison Barnes was just a complete no show, both offensively, but specifically defensively, because he was not guarding Giannis at all that game and was guarding Chris Middleton and Chris Middleton specifically in the first three quarters was going absolutely nuclear. Yeah, I think he had 38 and eight or 27, eight and eight by the time the fourth quarter even started. So um, just not a good game from Harrison Barnes. Uh, and you know, I couldn't, I couldn't let us go through this podcast without pointing that out. Harrison Barnes last two appearances, he played almost 40 minutes on, on Monday against Chicago. He, he finishes two of eight from the field and scores six points. Uh, did have six rebounds, six assists. So he was kind of have, sorry to cut you off. Did he have eight shots? Even like, I think he was only had five shots yesterday, right? He took five, he took five shots last night. So 
against Chicago, he was, to give Harrison some credit, he was doing some things. He was playing some decent defense. He had picked up a steal, two blocks, six assists. Um, I do last- agree with that as well. I think I think in the Chicago game, like, and I think Mark Jones even said mm-hmm. it on the broadcast, like, Harrison did not have statistically a good game against the Bulls, and I will say he didn't have, like, a $20 million starting small forward no. caliber game in that game, but he still nonetheless was, he had some, as corny as it is to say, he had some big rebounds in that game, and he did have that, uh, I think it was last well, minute stop had, on DeRozan. And he also scored four of those points in the final, I believe, minute and a half of the game. So those mm-hmm. six points, his buckets that he picked up were pretty huge late. Mm-hmm. And the fact that he has been been passing the ball, we know what he can bring on the, reba- the rebounding end of rebounding end of things. But uh, last night he played, uh, it was almost... It was almost the least amount of minutes he's played in a season. He he played about 21 and a half minutes against Toronto or, earlier in the season. Uh, but last night, obviously 10 points, three of five shooting. Um, he hasn't taken more than 12 field goal attempts in, in almost a month. It he That's he gross. Just, that, he is gets, a, that is so gross, man. I'm sorry. I did not know that. And like... That's that's just that is Harrison passive. Barnes, and like it's and it's unfortunate because he he, it's a blessing and a curse that he takes what's given to him. I wish others on the team would have that same mentality, but uh, man, I mean, like when you're on a team like this that that just needs guys to assert their will, and I understand that you know they're 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 trying to work everybody in, and and you know it probably is for the best that Harrison isn't just forcing things, but uh, man, just would like to see him. You know, because this just wasn't happening earlier in the season. And how many times have we said in the two year in the past two years of, you know, when if Harrison Barnes plays well, generally this team is 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 going to play well oh, yeah. and will be in contention of winning games. And I think last night's a prime example of Harrison Barnes didn't play well, though. I will say De'Aaron Fox didn't really play well either until no, the that, fourth quarter. That was the worst game De'Aaron's played in. In over over since he came two, back two since, months since yeah. before he got hurt too he he has not had a game that bad um and I'll, what did he shoot last night last night De'Aaron shot he was eight of eight of twenty three yeah and three of eleven from three I mean yeah he had twenty twenty one mm-hmm. point seven assists but of course the career high nine turnovers is kind of yeah. the sticking point mm-hmm. so if Harrison Barnes plays the way that Harrison Barnes plays these are all you know ifs and, and buts I understand that but um. You needed one of the things to go right last night for the Kings. You needed Harrison Barnes to play well, or you needed De'Aaron Fox to play well. And mm-hmm. and give credit to, to Davion Mitchell and Dante DiVincenzo, who picked Definitely. up the slack. But Harrison Barnes, the impact that he can bring, and we all know what De'Aaron Fox is capable of, both mm-hmm. of those guys kind of having off nights at the same time. Um, and Harrison, it's kind of hard for me to say he had an off night because he he was 3 of 5. When he did take shots, he did make them. But the point is, it's almost like they categorize it as an off night when you're not no pun intended, Davion Mitchell. Yeah, I was like, night. man, I can't keep saying that. that You're just you throwing know, it in there. Slide. <laughs> having a having a bad night, uh, it's kind of, it kind of it becomes that for Harrison when he's not making an impact, and yeah. when you score 16 points over two games, which is below your average on the season. Harrison's averaging 17 on the season. I'm surprised the Kings even beat the Bulls. Mm-hmm. I mean, with without without HB playing the way we know he can. Um, and when you look back at the, the Chicago game, who picked it up once again, Dante DiVincenzo, we're going to talk a lot about him. Davion Mitchell as well. They've been having, they've been having to pick up the slack for Harrison Barnes. Um, so something to keep an eye on over the, over the next couple of games. And, um, I think I, I talked to Brendan about this on Kings pulse and I, I'll ask you the same thing, Chris. 
I'm for Harrison, as as critical as you've been about Harrison, mm. where I would say you, fair. Well, where do you stand? <laughs> where do you stand on him being a part of a team next year? Because he has one year remaining on his deal. Can the Kings realistically upgrade that small forward spot with by moving him? I mean, who can who? I'm just trying to think who they'd be able to actually realistically bring in that could match or exceed his his output. So I'm asking you. Do you think the Kings should look to move him, or do you think that they should roll into next season with him because he's probably the best option that they're going to have? See, to me, this is this is the ultimate Harrison Barnes problem. Um, I've compared him. I think I started last week comparing him to uh, my my Minnesota Vikings quarterback Kirk Cousins. It's just he he is purgatory. Like that sounds so bad to, to call somebody, but. You really you can do so much worse than Harrison Barnes at your three position. Like you, we've seen it. You can have Travis Outlaws of the world. I always bring up Travis Outlaw. Well, we like, had you know, four, right? I mean, Peja, Ron Artest, yeah. Rudy Gay, Harrison Barnes. That's yes. probably the only since two thousand since the year two thousand twenty two yes. years. You can try and insert your your Justin Jacksons. You can put you know. Th- there's a lot of teams out there that are that are throwing out. You know, not a lot of teams, but there's a, does, there's a couple teams out there that does bogey up. count. Does bogey count? See, and that's another thing, too, is like that would be in an alternate universe. Like that's the Kings starting three. And like, I don't think bogey's a natural small forward at all. I don't I don't I think he's he's more of a guard and, and you know, he he's not as athletic to keep up with those kind of bigger guys, though. I think it, recently, especially in the NBA, it's kind of all downsized at the forwards positions. And now like the Harrison Barnes who would have typically been a three for the past 40 years of basketball is now definitely almost an ideal four. So maybe that's what the move is. Maybe I think Harrison at the three might be dead, but um, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll get the clicks on this podcast going. If the Kings can draft someone like Keegan Murray, who, you know, whatever I'm not, I I've seen him play. I don't think Keegan is like the next coming of you know, whatever Blake Griffin or whatever. I don't know. Some he, he's just very stiff to me. I think I like all of his skills. I just don't think um, he doesn't seem to be a very fluid athlete. And that kind of scares me. So I won't go into that. We'll get more into that when, when draft season's around. But um, if the Kings can go for somebody like that, I think uh, that could be a potential Harrison replacement without actually having to get rid of him. I think um, that way you can slide him over to the four or you no, know, keep playing him at the three. But I think the biggest thing is just, you need another person. You need another Harrison Barnes. If you could, ha- if somehow when you get Harrison Barnes, you can get two of him, then that's ideal. But just one of him is not going to work out. So that's a good point. Um, that's a good know, way of yeah. if the Kings were to clone Harrison Barnes and play him at the three, four, That'd be a pretty good team. Yeah, no, that would be absolutely no problem at all. And I would be like, wow, Harrison Barnes number one is really good. But Harrison Barnes number two, oh my God, that guy. You want if Andrew Wiggins is an all-star starter, Harrison Barnes number two, man. That well, guy. one one of them kind of could be just say, hey, go get rebounds and and yeah. and be passive. And then the other Harrison Barnes can just say, I'm gonna balls to shoot. the wall. I'm gonna shoot every time yeah. I get the ball on the perimeter. Yeah, because that, that's fine. Hey man, mm-hmm. you're shooting 40% from three. Yeah, that's one of the, the, you're one of the best shooters in the league. Technically, you you just like awaken something in me that is so frustrated that gets me so frustrated about Harrison Barnes is really like when you think about it, what is something Harrison Barnes can't do? Um, 
apparently he's, he's not an excellent defender for sure. What'd no, I was like, apparently shoot the ball. I mean, yeah, for sure. But his, you know, you wouldn't say he is a below average shooter. Oh, no, no. I just meant, I meant, I meant yeah, physically no, you mean, take, yeah, you mean, take a shot. Yes, mentally, almost like he needs put, to put the ball and be more aggressive. Your yeah. hands aim at the basket and shoot it. And um, release. Beef. And, put and some relief in your follow through. A little yeah. follow through. Beef. Um, uh, another St. Patrick's Day pun. Corn beef. Corn beef. Um, um, no, I, I, yeah. I think the defense is obviously. As every everyone on the Kings, I mean, the only plus defenders I think you could really say are are people you would say are decent to good defenders are Davion and and, and Dante. Dante. Yeah, and that's probably it. So his defense obviously Damian is kind Jones of maybe, but... Damian Jones kind of. Got, I mean, unless you're playing Jokic, but you're getting getting work. Alex Len has his moments too, but yeah, Jokic is. I mean, Jokic suns everyone that he yeah. plays though. So yeah, but no. But my it, bigger it, point was just that I think like. Harrison doesn't really do anything poorly. And I think that's what frustrates me with him not being aggressive. It's just like, it's not like you're Chemezi Metu and Chemezi's taking these threes, but like can't really shoot them. And so that's why he's not being, you know, it's like, oh, it'd be great if Harrison could shoot the three, but he's really just an okay shooter. So I'm okay with him picking and choosing his spots. Harrison is a good three, like that fool shoots. 45% from corner threes. He, I think he's just like 40% or something, near 40% on his uh, overall threes. We see him attack the basket, get and ones all the time. He's been in the slam dunk contest, so we know he has some version of hops. I, you know, he's pushing 30, so I don't know if he still has those things, but um, he, he, he really has a lot of tools. It's just he never seems to like want – he's not a great ball handler. I would say that's it. He's not a great ball handler. And he's really not an excellent passer by or ball mover by any stretch of the imagination. But, but he's good enough at those things. But he's good and enough. He is, yeah, at he's all serviceable. Yes, he can get to the basket. He doesn't really. I don't can't really think of a time he gets stripped. He's a strong guy. I, I'm kind of rambling here, but I think uh, it's just like I just I, I just <laughs> if we have to replace Harrison Barnes, it's going to be hard. Let's bring this back full circle. So we're getting rid of Harrison Barnes, or do I want to see Harrison Barnes go? I I don't want to see him go because I think he, like I said, like I've just been saying, I think he has all of the tools. I think it's just unfortunate that he's the third option on the team. I think if he's going to be the third option on the team, you're just going to have to live with these random games of this guy's not showing up. And in those situations, you need your De'Aaron Foxes and Sabonises of the world to really pick up his slack, which they almost did last night, um, but just couldn't quite get there. So to answer your question, no, I don't want to see Harrison Barnes moved. I just don't think that if you get rid of him, you're, I don't think you're going to find something comparable or, you know, even even to a replacement level and get an upgrade somewhere else. I just think um, Harrison's ability to do everything is totally fine to have on the floor. It's just you need to have somebody better than him to be the third option, I guess. I mean, mm -hmm. in, whether that be their draft pick, whether they... I you know I haven't looked at free agency. I I know Zach Levine's like the number one free agent that I keep hearing thrown out. I'd be I'd be stunned that's if he not left Chicago. No. I I mean I I would I would send him whatever <laughs> offer he would want. But yeah. number one, I don't think send Vladdy to his door. Say I knew yeah. it. Zach, we, we were meant together. 
meant yeah. to be together. Real quick, last night, Vladi in the house, which was not just Vladi though. <laughs> what just... was that? So what? Why? Can you can you answer me? Why? Why so we... were Chuck Liddell and Brett Favre at the Kings game? If did we even, uh, did they even know I, Sacramento I, exists? I was talking with uh, Jason Ross and G Man uh, in the media room before the game, before you got there, and uh, I think G Man told me that Brett Favre was going to be at the game. Can you? We're doing bracket season. Give me your one seeds of the most random people to show up courtside at a Kings game over the because, years. Yes, I think G Man brought up, uh, or it might have been Jason brought up Kelsey Grammer. Yeah, that was, that was so random. That was that was crazy. That that might be number one overall seed. Just ja- like Jamie Fox. Jamie Fox. That's a good one. Um, like Floyd, I think we we talked a little bit about it. He was Floyd, a freak, like he that frequent. makes sense. He yeah. frequented, frequent, mm-hmm. frequented Kings, frequented, games. Yes. frequented, frequented, and like you know, you can Kings throw Drake games. in that same conversation where it's like it's random, but like there's at least the ties of the player that you know make quote unquote make sense. Um, but Jason said like one time, uh, Jesse Palmer, who is Carson Palmer's brother, brought like. It was like, I mean, Matt Barkley, who's been to a game before. He was here like a week, two weeks so ago, Matt Barkley. Like, Matt Barkley's was. probably a two seed because what? Oh, like who did he, he bring what? with him? He brought another quarterback with there him. There was too. another quarterback, and that's why I was trying to stall for time because it was he, a bigger name. Oh, it, was uh, like, it was Blake Bortles. Oh, it wasn't Blake Bortles that he said, but it might have been Blake Bortles. that came. It might have been. Was it Deshaun Watson? It might have been Deshaun Watson. It was somebody super random. Like, it was a quarterback that was someone is yelling at their radio right now. Um, Radio, how old am I? Um, Yeah, but what what are your... Let's get back to the point. What are are your couple of one seeds that that come to mind? Well, Brett Favre is obviously number one. I mean, and he he looked completely confused when they put shout the out, camera on him. Shout out Jay Mars for that tweet that, Jay, that Brett Favre looks surprised that or like looked like he didn't know who Brett Favre was when they announced it until he saw the screen. Yeah. Brett Favre is, is a, a number one right there. Um, I mean, I'm trying to think of any other people that come to mind. I mean, yeah. I know that we, we talk about Kelsey Grammer. Drake wasn't, was here the night where Boogie like exploded in the locker room yeah. or something. Yes. Um, um, who else? I don't know, but last night Vladi also being yeah. Vladi being courtside sitting with the Chuck vet, Liddell. I don't know if who, we said Chuck Liddell, but Chuck who, Liddell was also there last night. Chuck Liddell, yeah, who technically Vivek, who technically fired Vladi. The fact that it's kind of like, yeah, we're buddies again. It's kind, it's kind of cool, I guess. And and I can't remember who put it on Twitter. I think it was um, Dave. I think it was Carmichael Dave, or I think it was somebody else. But Scott Moak posted a picture of Vladi, and it said, "So happy to see him again." And Dave or whoever posted this tweet said. It's so nice to be excited to see a picture of Vladi again. And I think there always will be that kind of dark cloud now over Vladi's number 21 jersey because of the fact that he did miss out on drafting Luka Doncic. That's always going to sting forever. I mean, yeah. especially when you look at the fact that Luka is actually having a better start to his career than LeBron James. I don't know if anyone's aware of that, but they there was a graphic post a while back. Boy, I am. Their numbers over the first three, four seasons, and and uh, Luca's outplaying him. So, um, one of my friends just said Michigan's getting beat pretty bad. By the way, my TV just turned off. So. Oh, but, just went to commercial. But anyways, no, uh, random, very random, random. Having those guys in the building, um, 
One quick side note. Do you have anything else you want to talk about? Um, weird people coming to Kings games? Do you have any uh, other people on the top of your head? No. I mean, there's more. If you're out there, let us know. Yeah. Tweet at us or post. Yeah. You know, Who is your most random person you remember being at a Kings game? Um, because I'm sure, you know, especially in the glory years, I'm sure there were stars that would randomly show up. You know, has Will oh, Smith yeah. ever been to a Kings game? Probably. Um, as we move on, we're going to get into some Dante DiVincenzo talk in a moment. But I was looking at and we, I when you said that the Bucks didn't play their best game last night, I kind of was thinking, you know, they did seem like they kind of weren't playing that well. But then I looked, I looked at the the box score. Chris, they did. They played very well last night. I, I don't think anyone really re- – I didn't realize it either. I, so well, I I'm think not, they I'm shot not, well, but I think well, they were 52, the fact that they allowed the Kings to play so the well. The defense was bad. What the, was damning. the defense was bad, but they shoot 52% from the field. 18 of 35, 51% from three. They they struggled at the free throw line, but obviously you're on a team with Giannis and, and Drew Holiday's not a very good free throw shooter as well. But you let Drew go for 21, four steals. Giannis go, went for 36 and 10. And then Middleton goes for 32 and eight. And the Kings even played well by by their standards. They played well. It just kind of comes down to De'Aaron Fox struggling. But um, one guy who hasn't picked up the slack over the past couple of games now, and there's a lot of buzz around why he is not starting is Dante DiVincenzo who he did start against Chicago with Justin Holiday sitting out because he had non-COVID uh, <laughs> symptoms sickness um, Dante DiVincenzo over the past two games he he always kind of averaged it up real quick past two games 17 points per game five and a half boards two and a half assists two steals 47% from the field 53% from three on six and a half attempts a game. And that includes last night where he went four of eight from three against his old team, finished the night with 19 points, three steals. I'm, I'm, I'm irritated. And I just, I really want to know how you feel too. And I know how Brendan felt too. Just, we were on a row last night. That's why we keep referencing our guy, Brendan. We, we sit on our media row and we kind of just share thoughts the entire game. We probably should just have microphones recording us our thoughts during the game. Honestly, that'd be pretty interesting. Um, we both just rolled our eyes and and hung our heads when they announced Justin Holiday in the starting lineup. Because what are the Kings getting from from this? Why why wouldn't you start your best players? I mean, and I know there's the whole conversation about just because you're not starting doesn't mean you're not going to play a lot. And yeah, that's what happened. Dante DiVincenzo played almost the whole fourth quarter. He was very impactful, but it's one thing when you're okay with that role. And that's a role that you are comfortable in. Like we talk about Lou Williams a lot, Jordan Clarkson. Dante DiVincenzo is not that kind of six man. He's not a guy who's going to come off the bench and, and get you some quick buckets. He's a, he's a complete player. He can rebound. We've seen what he can do distributing the basketball. He's arguably the best defender on the Kings team besides Davion Mitchell. Um, I don't think that's even a conversation really. I mean, you, you see what he does on defense, the anticipation, is very reminiscent to what we saw from Tyrese before the trade. So I, I'm wondering a guy that can play defense can rebound like a forward is a guard and can knock down three pointers and is clearly getting more comfortable in his role. Why, why are you uh, not starting him for a player who's going to be 33 in a couple weeks and is possibly not going to be here next year when you're so high on Dante DiVincenzo and you traded for him twice and maybe it's not that big of a deal, and maybe Dante starts on fr- uh, tomorrow against Boston, and we don't talk about this anymore. But I'm just confused why the he, Alvin Gentry or the Kings front office, I don't know who, how, who makes that final call. Um, Dante is going to be a free agent 
this summer is it is this kind of like a, a like a fishy situation where the kings are trying to diminish his his free agency value to save some bucks i'm no pun intended um what do you think i mean do you do you do you feel some type of way that he's not starting or are you kind of just thinking well he's playing late anyways it doesn't matter but I'm I'm of the idea. I think it's important to get him in that lineup with Fox and Sabonis and seeing those three play together because next season that could be, you know, Harrison Barnes here or not. The the, the starters could be Fox, DiVincenzo, and Sabonis, and then whoever else they go get. I would say that I agree with you that Dante DiVincenzo just is a starting caliber player. Like you said, he can do a little bit of everything, um, and and that's the kind of guy that the Kings just don't have. Um, the only I I wouldn't agree with it because I I do think like I said I think he needs to be in the starting or should be in this starting lineup I should say. Um, the only thing that I can think is just he he's a bench spark plug and the Kings really don't have any scorers off the bench. I mean Davion has been has been putting up some some good stats recently and and has played well offensively and, and made some 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 good shots. Um. But he's by no means a spark plug. I mean, uh, Dante comes in and he he is ready. He, he's ready to go. He will he will take a thirty two foot three on his first attempt coming into the game. Um, so that would be my only thing is is maybe they like the fact that you know he comes in and makes an immediate presence, um, and that's what you want from your six man. And the Kings really don't have another guy like that on the roster right now that just comes in and is ready to go. If Justin Holiday comes in. Uh, off the bench you don't know you know you could just get you know you know they're not getting a lot from him right now in the starting lineup if you bring him in off the bench who know you know and, and he hasn't came off the bench all season whether he was in indiana or sacramento um he might come in and just you know do pull a tony snell out there and just kind of be running around and um you know playing some defense but but really doesn't give you anything so so that would be my only counter but um, yes, I definitely think Dante. Sh- I mean, Dante, I'm looking again at those fourth quarter minutes last night. Dante played all 12 minutes last night in the fourth quarter. Um, so I guess, like you said, you really don't need to worry about, you know, the finishing, you know, him finishing games and, and getting minutes in terms of uh, closing games. But this is also, mind you, coming off of a streak where he had, I think, back to back games of like under 20 minutes played. Um, yeah. Which is very strange. strange. Yeah, very, very strange. strange. I'm sure as a player, it's it's got to be frustrating to, you know, and, you know, there. this is, you know, I've been, I said it before the trade, but this is exactly why you do things before the deadline, because these are the kind of things you need to hash out if you're really trying to make a run. Like, you need to figure out before 15 games, before the season's over, like, oh, yeah, we should be playing Dante 30 minutes. And, like, you know, if you could have learned that two weeks ago, maybe – that changes the trajectory of how your season ends, but I digress. Um, I, I, yeah, I love Dante. I, I love what I've seen before uh, from him. Um, and I think going into next season, I would expect him to be the starter. I mean, the Kings can, like you said, can match anything uh, in free agency. And I wouldn't expect them to do that. I don't think Dante is going to get anything crazy in the off season. It would surprise me if he gets over like, 11 million dollars a year or so probably looking at like a Rashawn Holmes-esque contract if I had to guess um, but who knows maybe he gets maybe he gets less than that I think the mid-level exception these days is is 10 mil so 
Um, I don't know. It'll be interesting, but I would expect the Kings to to want to keep him just because we know that Monty's coveted him for a long time and uh, they didn't really give up well, much to get him. So it wouldn't necessarily be like, you know, they, they lost something very big, but um, I just think, you know, Dante is a piece that, you know, it's, it's, you could do again, kind of, it's kind of like what we said with Harrison Barnes, where it's like, you can, you can do a whole lot worse than, than, uh, than Dante DiVincenzo. And you can probably do a whole lot better too, but um, you know, he, he's, he, he's not, he's not going to be a problem. I don't think unless he's going to shoot himself out of starting lineup. This is a very different situation from when Buddy Heel wanted to start and he was on the bench. This is a very different situation. Uh, Dante DiVincenzo can do so many other things. things, other things, so many things. And the, the, the main point for me here, um, and I was talking to James and Brendan about this last night, James Hammond, and Brendan was you don't want to piss off another player. And if Dante DiVincenzo wants to start and we don't know if that's what he really wants, he's saying the right things in the media to us in the media saying that he'll do whatever he has to do to help the team. He's saying all the right things, but it's clear that this man who started for the, the world champion bucks last year until he got hurt. He was the starting two guard yeah. yep. on the world champions. Yep. Now he's coming off the bench for Justin holiday. And it's no disrespect to Justin holiday. I mean, he, I think he'd be pretty, I actually am intrigued to see what Justin could do in a bench role where maybe he does get more shot opportunities um, when he's not playing on, on the floor with, with, uh, with Fox and Sabonis. Maybe he, he plays with Davion Mitchell and, and that's a, that's a target for Davion to hit on, on some three point attempts, but um, you want to keep these guys happy. You just got rid of Buddy Heald and Marvin Bagley, who are who are unhappy in their roles, and play the guys that that deserve to be where they where they should be. And I think that Dante DiVincenzo deserves to be in the starting lineup. So, eleven games left. I would be pretty surprised if Dante DiVincenzo is not starting for at least six or seven of those games. And maybe it'll take the Kings losing the next two games to be in shutdown mode um, officially. But that's another thing. Um, Let's transition to it. Go ahead. Yeah. I mean, anything else on Dante? No, it's, it's simple. Start him. Just start him and let's see what we have. <laughs> um, it's funny because we talk about how the season it's, yeah, it's over. Um, the Kings are four games out and they are not making the plan, but it's just it's just funny because if you were to if they were to have a different schedule, you could probably talk yourself into that they're still technically alive right now. They they're four out with eleven to go, but and a game against New Orleans. But um, last night was like that game where if they would have won last night, I might have given myself a little more hope and like what well, three back, three back, and and they just beat the Bucks and the Bulls. But now it's just kind of okay. They they get a red hot Boston team tomorrow. And then they get the Suns, who without Chris Paul are just still pun intended, Rolling. setting the NBA on fire. So yeah, we, we can be looking at Monday, Monday morning. When we wake up. Uh, there's a situation in De'Aaron Fox's hand, which to transition to that, his hand looks injured. Um, maybe this is where we see some of these guys start getting shut down. Um, Boy. <laughs> yeah, you said it. Um, I, th I think that's a real possibility. I mean, I think De'Aaron's hand was very clearly bothering him last night. Uh, they clearly really, really felt like last night was a game that they wanted to win. And I think that's the reason why he stayed in the game. Um, yeah, I don't I don't know. Moving forward, I think it, I, I think you're definitely right. I think it's just an easy 
I'll, I'll use the term excuse, but um, it's an easy way of uh, it's an easy vehicle. There we go. It's an easy yeah. vehicle to have mm-hmm. uh, De'Aaron transition into uh, just not playing is is his hand is messed up. Maybe, you know, there's uh, he's got a little chip in his hand or something like that. So, we'll require surgery. I just realized we dropped the ball on that last night. Uh, everyone that was in the media room. Nobody asked about De'Aaron's hand. I just realized mm-hmm. no, nobody asked about his hand. So. Yeah. I'm, I'm interested to see when the injury report comes out at five o'clock, five thirty tonight, uh, if he's going to be playing or not. So mm-hmm. um, if, if I think that's me, one of those things where even if you I mean, you have to ask because you have to ask. But I think you probably would have gotten an answer. of Yeah, you know, we're going to he's going to take some x-rays. We're going to look at it. And, well, you know, we just won't know until we know. And we, we didn't record um before he scored 41 and had 11 assists against Utah. That might've been one of the best games of his career. I mean, it was one of the best games of his career. Obviously he, he knocked down five threes and, and then the next night against Chicago, he, he goes for 34 points, six rebounds, six assists on, on uh, 52% from the field and 37% from three. Um, last night he had a stinker. I mean, he, he scored 21 points against seven assists, but the nine turnovers and a lot of them came late. They're, they're glaring. And I think that's the first time I've seen De'Aaron, since he came back and since he's been playing the way he's been playing, where it looked like he was trying to do a little too much. He was forcing on offense. And sure, he didn't get some calls, and he got teed up early because he he mm-hmm. was rightfully so frustrated. The officiating also was a big a big talking point last night. And, I mean, we Kings fans are no stranger to complaining about officiating. officiating um, not fishing. Uh, fishing for officiating. So it's um, – a combination of those things for De'Aaron as far as not getting calls and, and maybe overplaying your hand and, and forcing some shots that in passes that aren't there gave him his first real bad game. In, mm-hmm. And looking at his game log, he hasn't had a bad game since January 16th when he, when he, and it, again, he shot 50% from the field on this game. He had 14 points and four assists. But if you want to look at how bad of a game he had from the field, you have to go back to January 10th, 37, 35% from the field. Last night, he, he came in about the same 34%. So, um, it's it's con- not concerning to me about this play because they were trying to win a very, very competitive game. And, well, I guess that part does concern me. It was They were trying to win a very, very competitive game, and he was turning the ball over. But um, we'll see if it's a hand. We'll see how serious that is, and, and maybe that's a cop-out to say, well, his hand was hurt, and he was making those bad passes because he couldn't use his hand. And I will say I did notice he could not even handle a pass from Sabonis he could not handle a pass from Sabonis with that right hand. So mm-hmm. um, we'll see what happens. We'll see what happens tonight. And if the Kings release an injury update tomorrow morning, um, but I'm not concerned about the one bad game versus the 16 good ones he had before. Are you kind of in the same mindset? Or? Yeah, definitely. Um, and it could, it could definitely be like we said, it could be the last game he plays for us this season. So who knows? But um, I think, yeah, I mean, I, I think it's a blip. I think, uh, he was and the funny thing is for for those who watched the entire game last night like he was having a very terrible not very terrible but he was having a really bad game before that fourth quarter i think he only had 10 points um i i remember seeing james ham tweet like i think darren's 20 plus point uh 20 plus point a game streak is going to come to an end tonight and he still was able to turn it on in that fourth quarter i mean he shot 50% he wasn't excellent but um, you know, he, he still was, and I'm not excusing the turnovers at all because he would have had 10 turnovers. If that one that like went straight up in the air and Rashawn threw down, like that definitely could have been his 10th turnover. But, um, I, I, 
I'm not excusing the game, but um, I like to see that even in a quote unquote, well, not a quote in a, in a bad game for Darren Fox, he's still able to, to, I mean, he, he kept them in it last night. I mean, if, if he doesn't have that fourth quarter, then we probably see a fourth quarter similar to what we've seen uh, recently in the past where it's like, you know, they're, they're in it for three quarters and then just kind of eventually uh, get boat raced by, by the end of it. But um, no, I, I'm still, I'm still happy with what I'm seeing from De'Aaron. I honestly, Sabonis is the one that I'm more concerned about in terms of impact. He, he's putting up um, good assist numbers almost every night. His rebounding was down last night, but his points to me have just been the thing that just hasn't been there. And it's not that he's not putting, I think he's averaging 18 points a game or so since he's came back, but um, we just haven't seen any offensive explosion from him uh, in terms of scoring the basketball. And I think it's definitely because they, they want him to be more of a facilitator. They they like um, his vision and, and like to, you know, run cuts off of his him in the high post. But uh, I just I would love to see a game where, where DeMontis Sabonis is, is just absolutely dominating and, and feels like he can uh, score at any time because I think there are points and I don't think last night was the right matchup, which is also something I should probably mention is, is, you know, with De'Aaron's bad game last night, he's going against Drew Holiday, who is, you know, top three defensive guard in the league. Uh, Chris Middleton, who's six, eight and very long uh, Giannis at the four. And then they were starting Brooke Lopez. So De'Aaron's driving the paint every single time and going into a, a sea of those guys. Like, it's it's understandable why he struggled, especially when he's coming off of the performances that he is, especially this team is going to lock in on him and know, like, if we can slow this guy down, there's there's a pretty good chance that we're going to win this game. Um, and they were wrong, actually. I mean, you know, the other guys stepped up, but um, I'm not really concerned. To, to I feel like I keep giving long winded answers of I'm not concerned. Yeah, I mean, and kind of just to touch on Sabonis, the the rebound numbers have been have been down for Sabonis lately. I, I believe he's had f- five rebounds in two straight games. Check that real quick. Um, oh no, he had seven. He had seven against Chicago and five. But still, I mean, he had thirteen against the Knicks. Mm-hmm. Goes out for two games. Now he's had uh, twelve over two games. So um, maybe that's. I mean, I'm not, not going to read too much into that. Obviously, Trey Lyles, which we can talk about him right now. Trey Lyles has been playing the post pretty well. He's kind of been the lead, the leading rebounder for, for yeah. the Kings the past couple of games. And uh, Trey Lyles, since he got moved into the starting lineup, has been playing, in my opinion, pretty decent. He kind of reminds me of like a Nemanja Bielitsa type, just a floor spacer, um, kind of a bigger guy, bigger body, um, similar size. He's 6'9", 230. Um, Nemanja is about 6'10", I think, or so, 6'10", 6'9". Um, but Trey Lyles, since being moved into the starting lineup, He's averaging 11.3 points, 6.8 rebounds, 55% from the field, and 33% from three. Those are pretty much Nemanja Bielitsa numbers from his first year in Sacramento. Um, Nemanja shot a little better from three, obviously, but um, last night he posted his second double-double of the season. He goes for 12 points, 12 boards. That's one game after going for nine points and 11 rebounds against Chicago. Um, he has a, a, a team option for next season, and we don't need to get too in-depth about is Trey Lyles a key to the Kings, but I think he's a decent depth piece. And if he's under contract for one more season for 2.5 million, he's a guy that I think you could take a flyer on and, and kind of stock him on your bench. And maybe that means one of Chemezi Metu or, or Damian Jones are, are gone. James, Damian Jones will be a free agent this summer. You do have Alex Len under contract. Um, where are you on the Trey Lyles train? Do you, do you think that you 
are you buying in on bringing him back for one more year for two point five million? Considering mm-hmm. the fact that I mean, he's been around for a while on some good teams. Yeah, I, I like Trey. I think he's just very solid at what he does. I, I don't think you you're going to expect. Um, you know, part of the reason I feel like the Kings are playing Chemezi so much is because they see. Uh, maybe a different level that Shemezi could possibly reach. And, and, you know, that's, you know, you might not love what he's doing right now, but they see some sort of future um, different player in Shemezi Metu. Trey Lyles isn't that he's just is what he is. Um, he's kind of just like a, a poor man's Harrison Barnes almost uh, where it's just, you know, he, he, he can shoot. All right. Maybe like a 35, 30, maybe 36% three point shooter. Um, but you know, he, he's got that big body. He's kind of, like I said about Keegan Murray, he's a little, he's a little thick and a little stiff. Um, but I think, uh, he's perfect to play that four position in today's NBA. He's not quite as fast as you would want to, to defend fours. I, I don't think he's been very good defensively. Um, especially like, I mean, Giannis absolutely, but Mur- <laughs> I've never said this in my life. I promise you. Where was Chemezi Metu last night? Like, I needed to see a lot more Chemezi Metu last night. He started off well. In terms of, like, I needed Alvin to play him, not, like, where was he? Like, he was not playing well. Like, I thought he was by far the King's best defender on Giannis and was really giving him fits. He got called for a, a couple really terrible foul calls, and the refs were the refs were a whole different story from last night. It was but, bad. It was, it was terrible. Um, um, but four, foul, I, I, four fouls yeah. over 12 minutes for Tremezi, by the way. Four yeah. fouls over 12 minutes, which... That's probably why. Well, I mean, just let him foul out. I really... I I was really a big fan of what he was doing on Giannis last night. Did not see that coming. Um, but back to Trey Lyles. I, I would like to see him come back. I mean, if, if he's coming off the bench for you, I'm not entirely sure what he's going to give you in terms of production. But he can give... You know, he, he's a nice stopgap. You can play him for... 10 to 12 minutes a game off the bench. And I think, you know, you might not get uh, 12, you know, 15 points in 12 minutes and eight boards or, you know, you're not going to see anything spectacular out of him, but he's going to go out there and he's going to give you some really solid minutes. And I think, uh, you know, the Kings can really use a guy who, who especially off the bench, isn't trying to leap into a starter position or something like trying to prove something is just in there to play their role and uh, and that's about it. And I think Trey Lyles is a perfect guy for that. He's he's doing all, and you know we're seeing that he he can spot start. I don't think by any stretch of the imagination that he is a uh, a long term fit at the four position. But oh God, no! I hope no. 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 If, he, if he's a starting four next year, the Kings have a whole another. Yeah, that's a that's a um, problem, and that's not a knock on him. But I mm-hmm. I love the role he had with the Spurs. Um, and and Denver on those those Denver teams that were kind of coming into their own. Yeah. I mean, he he was such a good he was well, I think he was six man of the year candidate one year. Yeah, in 2017, 18, 10 points, five rebounds, and he shot 38% from three, 50% from the field, over 73 games and two starts, 2017, 18. Sign me up for that. That's what the Kings need on the, for their bench four. Because right now, do they even really have a bench four? I mean, Chemezi's playing kind of three, four, but that's kind of what the Kings need off the bench. Yeah. Yeah. And I think he would just slot right in there and probably just take Chemezi's minutes. I mean, uh, you know, I, I think, I think the Chemezi Metu experience is probably, or experiment, I should say, is probably over. I think, uh, like I kind of just said, I think the Kings kind of viewed Chemezi as somebody who could potentially reach another level of play. Um, and, you know, they've, they've given him every opportunity you could imagine. I mean, they've, they've started him for, a good chunk of games at the beginning of the season. They had him come off the bench. 
They then didn't play him at all, have kind of now settled into a place where he plays seemingly where it kind of best fits him. And really, I mean, I know a lot of, especially, you know, King's Twitter is is really big on Chemezi. I just, I think you can find those guys, you know, every year. You can you can find some guy that you're like, ooh, like, let's see. He, he's very much like a, a, he's like a, this this team's version of Scal to me, where it's like, oh, this guy is on our roster because we see potential in him. And if he works out, great. We look like geniuses. If he doesn't, then whatever it's the Harry Giles you know they got rid of these guys and there always has to be at least one that you talk yourself into but uh yeah I can't remember what the original question is no I, I mean just like to I rag on Chemezi. I, I I um that's pretty much all I have on my list so yeah. I, I'll, I'll kind of cap it off with um I asked this last week I think too but um if the Kings lose the next two they should, they, should they should they shut down Fox and Sabonis or are you still of the idea that they should keep playing these guys and getting them comfortable if Fox is not injured, by the way, which we don't, as of Thursday morning yeah. at 10 a.m., we have not received any knowledge of the fact that Fox is injured. So I think the Kings should try and play their players pretty much until April. I'm looking at the schedule right now, and it just kind of, you know, they, they play Boston, they play Phoenix, and then they have that stretch of some pretty bad teams against the Pacers, the Magic, the Heat, but uh, and then back-to-back against the Rockets. Um, I just feel like those games are all very winnable games. And even if you try and throw out bad lineups, uh, there's potential that you can still win those games. So I feel like those are the kind of games where you might as well just throw out your guys, let them get some good feels, get some good run out there, get a better feel for each other, and then shut it down for the Warriors-Pelicans game, that Clippers game. By and the way, game. Steph Curry will not be playing in that Warriors game. He just he will got not. ruled yep. out until the playoffs. Um, which might hurt the Warriors. Where are the Warriors in the standings right now? The Warriors right now, uh, as of today, they are. Though Frank, what are the possibilities third. here? As as I'm as we're talking here, and with Steph out, Kings four and a half games out. If they go on a nice little win streak against the Pacers, then Magic. That's a, and that's then maybe saying. slip one against the Heat, and then a back to back against the Rockets, and then against the Stephless Warriors. And then against the potential and ten then, seed, and then New Orleans Pelicans, it's uh, it's not going to happen. I'm not it, that kind of guy. I'm not at that guy. But I will say, but, like, I will say, New Orleans, uh, New Orleans schedule. I think the, the big game tomorrow between New Orleans and San Antonio. I think San Antonio is a team to watch out for who are making that push. Mm-hmm. Uh, New Orleans and San Antonio will play on Friday night. Um, New Orleans has a tough schedule coming up. They have San Antonio, Atlanta, Charlotte, Chicago, San Antonio again, the Lakers who stink, Portland who is kind of tanking, and the Lakers, Clippers, Kings, Grizzlies, Warriors. Um, yeah, I mean, obviously if the Kings get through these next two games and they're still four out or three and a half out with uh, nine to go, yeah, we might have like a, an interesting oh couple of days where it's like, oh, wow, we're a game and a half or two out with mm-hmm. – Seven to go. I mean, that'd be fun for sure. It'd be fun. But right now I'm just kind of thinking it's not going to matter because they're going to lose the next two and they will be six out or more. But um, the other standings tankathon, that's what I was saying earlier. The Kings shouldn't worry about really sed- sitting anybody unless they absolutely need to. And they're mathematically eliminated because even if they lose every single game they have left, they're the best they're going to finish is fifth. They're they're not going to catch yeah, Oklahoma can. City. Yeah, 
No. Oklahoma City is hard, hard, hard tanking. They've lost seven in a row. They've sat so many people down the stretch of the season. They're 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 completely waving the white flag and because they're they're not going for four. No. They're two back of Detroit and two and a half back of Houston for the number one seed. Like that's within reach for them. They're they're not gonna they're very close to number one pick right now. So um the Kings have a good chance of catching Indiana. They're a game and a half back of the Pacers. Um I said before on this podcast that historically the sixth the team with the sixth best draft odds has fallen more than anyone else in lottery history. So that's not really a spot you want to be in. Um, I believe the Kings are the six best odds and they fell to eighth. The Nick Stauskas here. Um, we all know what happened with that. Stauskas. So we'll see what happens. We got Boston tomorrow. We have the Suns on Sunday. Excuse me. And what do, what do we have? Um what what's the next record uh austin suns and then we have the pacers on wednesday and then the magic Ooh. on saturday yeah we'll see right after that halliburton game right after that tyrese halliburton buddy yep. yield revenge game yep um do you Ooh, have any content content do you have any uh one for your for your king of the week or do you <sighs> i mean it's tough with deer and having that game that he had last night i mean and we've been giving it to him seemingly for like the past three deserve. weeks he still deserves he's it. i mean there's no one i mean dante divincenzo has played very well um i i i think you just you have to give it to De'Aaron fox i mean there's there's really there's nobody else who who deserves it as much as him and and he he shouldn't get punished just because he he's been <laughs> he's been doing so well that he is actually going to be punished because he didn't play as well but uh, no, it, it's De'Aaron Fox. I mean, that fool that fool was on another level. Um, the way he closed out that Chicago game actually gave me chills. Um, it, incredible. Just incredible stuff. Maybe Davion Mitchell. Davion Mitchell yeah, so can get a nice little, you know, I, I think trophy. We, we can give him a per- the participation trophy. I'm giving my king of the week to Dante we'll DiVincenzo. We'll say the backcourt. How about that? Yeah, the, king the backcourt. Back the king's back. That's a good idea. So I'm going to give it to, to – well, you gave it to Fox. So I'm going to go Dante and Davion. Over the past two games, they've each kind of picked up the slack of Har- your boy Harrison Barnes. Um, yeah. We've said what Dante can do. Davion, though, is someone who has been really impressive to me as far as he is that kind of guy. I think that could be that spark plug that you're talking about. He possesses that that talent to me to be a guy that can come in and get you 15 points off the bench. I mean, it's kind of crazy, but as a rookie, 10 points per game on over 40% shooting, over 30% from three, he has a lot of room he can grow in that regard. Um, over the past two games, Davion, 19 points and four assists against the, the Bucks, 16 points against Chicago, and he's doing this, mind you, on 55% shooting from the field, 45 from three in almost six attempts per game. So. Um, those two guys on the bench, I guess I can kind of see why, why Alvin wouldn't want to break them up. That is a good pairing having Davion and Dante on the floor at the same time, but you can stagger the guys and have it be that way. You can stagger De'Aaron and, and Dante and have, have Davion and Dante play together. Then have De'Aaron and Davion play together or what have you, um, kind of mix and match. But I'm, uh, I'm impressed with what I've seen from those two guards and, that's what I want to see. I want to see a heavy dose of Davion and Dante down the final stretch. If the Kings do decide to sit De'Aaron Fox and his hand is actually hurt, um, it could be a bruise, could be, who knows, like a chip, like you said. Uh, again, we have no idea what it is right now, but if they do decide to sit some guys down the stretch, I would love to see Dante and Davion start for the final stretch of the season. That, that'd be pretty good basketball. Mm-hmm. I mean, defensive basketball for sure. 
to watch. Yeah, I would like that too because I do still feel like the jury is out. I mean, for me at least on Davion Mitchell on on how I want to say his rookie season is because right now it's been he's had definitely some very promising games, some good games. Um, but also at times it has looked like he's just not I mean his his percentages are not good. I mean, for the season, 41% from the field, that's that's not good at all. Uh 31% from 3, that does not tell me that you're probably going to be uh, at one point a 38% three-point shooter or something like that. So I would like to see and but the but to juxtapose that, like you just said, he's had stretches where he has done great numbers and then some. Uh 45% from 3 on six attempts, I think you just said from 3. Like that is if he can replicate, I mean obviously not shoot 45% for a season, but if he can put 10 to 12 games together where he's doing that kind of stuff. That's something I would like to see because that shows me that maybe this is something that we can, that we can build on. But um, to me, I'm just not entirely sure how to grade his rookie season yet. And uh, I would love to just, like you said, see him get, get a ton of minutes uh, down the stretch and just kind of see what we have. That will because come I, I we... really don't think the Kings know either, because obviously De'Aaron Fox is going to be their starting point guard. Uh, I don't think the plan is to ever start Davion at that two position unless he shows that he is just like another caliber a starting guard. Um, but, you know, may, I, the only way they're going to find out is 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 by playing him, I guess. But I don't know. I, I, I feel like there's just a lot of unanswered questions still about about what the what Davion's future role is. Yeah, do you we'll feel see. that same way? Do you feel like you, you um, kind of have a sense of what what they want to use him as? I think I kind of I would imagine they envision him as someone who can play along Fox at some point. I don't know if it's in a starting two guard role, but it could be kind of a, a role where he finishes games, and mm-hmm. that's intriguing to me because it means maybe the Kings stick with Dante and Davion and kind of go with who has the hot hand, and they really mm-hmm. look to upgrade the the four p- positions and their team in. Their idea of a playoff team would include the guards of Dante, Davion, De'Aaron, and maybe mm-hmm. one more, and then obviously have a very good forward, and then you have Sabonis. That's kind of what I think they envision as having as, as their core. So, and I like that idea. I like having if Davion's feeling it mm-hmm. and Dante maybe struggling or, or vice versa, you can kind of roll with either either one of those guys. Um, but the 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 jury's still out on the grade because I want to see how he does to finish the season. Mm-hmm. Um, still have over 10 games left, so I think some things could change, but um, we'll have a great episode. We'll have our, our season great episodes. Uh, I think probably, it's a great episode. I was like, well, hey, great. Yeah, that you want a future forecast? Go ahead. That I, too. I, I, <laughs> um, but we'll we'll give out our, our our postseason grades of 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 the year. Probably, you know, we'll probably give it a week after the season and let things kind of marinate. But mm-hmm. um, final thing before we have to go. Mm-hmm. Um, basketball reference wow we have been on here for an hour i know and i'm about to hop on with with yep. a friend a friend of mine in portugal in a few moments yes, sir. um ricardo so who's on there okay so the the brian russell thing uh <laughs> it's a, it's a mandela effect i grew up yep. my whole life thinking it was byron same and i think you and i had this conversation i said you know it's it's brian not byron and you said no you no like that's a different person this is no it's 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 brian and I had no idea that was Byron Russell. Yeah, somebody's lied to us our whole childhood. I don't know oh, who I've... it was, but because there's no way. Like, I mean, like you said, it's the Mandela effect. But I just, I, I have no idea how that 
slip could have happened to to where you and I, who were born in completely opposite halves of Sacramento, didn't communicate with each other for the first 25, 26 yeah. years of our life and still had <clears throat> the same slip. Somebody no, messed up. Someone messed up. They, they need to go back and, and change that. Um, he's the one that Michael Jordan broke, yeah, pushed, right? The shove. Yeah. The shove. The, the shove. Push, yeah. He, he, he pushed off. He guided him. He guided him. And then I see Yogi Ferrell. I do see Yogi Ferrell as well. Um, That's all we can Yogi say about Ferrell that story. I have oh, you do? Okay. What yeah. is it? I want to so, hear So uh, shout out uh, my really good friends. I would, some would say best friends, uh, my boy, Corey and uh, my former roommate, Avery. Um, one time we were, we were visiting, uh, my friend Corey in Portland and decided to go watch a blazer game at the Moda center. Um, and this game just so happened to be, uh, the, I think first game of Yogi Ferrell's 10 day contract with the Dallas Mavericks. This man, Yogi Ferrell put up 30 points on like 10 of 14 from three. And we're talking like end of Dirk's run Mavericks just Dirk was just feeding this man running pick and rolls up top or pick and pops up top and like it just could not be stopped and from that day forward I was like this guy Yogi Ferrell is is a freaking problem and uh lo and behold a couple years later he ends up on the Kings and uh it was a fun time it was fun Yogi, you know Yogi's not anything spectacular you can definitely he's a very replacement level backup guard maybe your third guard and on a on a you know middling nba team but he's a he's a fun player to have on your team because he's kind of he's that spark plug that that man you know can always come in and and give you 10 minutes and and maybe put up 15 points he was legitimately the king's backup point guard in 2018 2019 the the score season 71 games and yeah it, it it was it was fun. It was it was like an experiment. It was fun. Uh, he was in the league last year. He's not in the league this season. Um, yeah, Yogi Ferrell. I liked him in Indiana. I remember back when he was playing Indiana. Mm-hmm. I, I well, mostly his name was fun. Um, <laughs> and, and yeah, it was even more fun here. He also was all great rookie. call for Moke too. I mean, just the the Yogi. Yogi and the callback was it was it was fun time. Ferrell. Um, anyone else? Mm. Bo Outlaw. Yes. The person who every time, you know, you would talk about Travis Outlaw, some old head would be would call him. You Bo. mean Bo? Yeah. Like, no, no. I Travis. Mean, I mean Travis, the guy who's terrible. I Can I Travis. look at Travis? I talk about Trout Law all yeah. the gosh darn time. We can finish with Travis and Outlaws. I swear on everything, this guy like probably it felt like he shot under forty percent from the field. He didn't. Maybe twenty five percent from three. And like average like six points a game right. for the Kings. Actually, that would be right. my guess. That would no, be my guess. Okay. Okay. So he shot wor- under 40% from the field. His worst season he with shot the Kings. Under from 30% from three. And he averaged four points. Yeah. Look, I'm not saying I'm just saying I've watched these games. But he got paid. Not by us, by the Nets. And then they immediately said we regret this decision. And then they, so this they, man they stretched it. The Blazers for seven seasons. The Kings for three, and then just two other seasons. Like to me, like the Kings. Oh, the Kings were his last stop, at least. Thank God. He had a great 20, uh, 2008 season. He did. 
off the bench too. 26, 27 minutes in those two years. Yeah, very strange. I that's mean, why I got the, paid. Yeah, that's why I got paid. Mm, no thanks. I'm 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 so far good off of Travis Outlaw. It's uh, Trout Law. I would say, hands down, my least favorite king that I've ever seen play. Travis um, Outlaw. Mine might be Spencer Hawes. Mm, like actual play, like you watched him play. Oh not, no, not I mean person. he was he was good. I think. Um, yeah. Chuck Hayes is a very, 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 oh very close number two. That infuriated me, man. I would like see and people. And like, and people say he's a nice guy, and I feel bad about that. And like you know, whenever we talk about people, I take your personal <laughs> stuff out of it. I'm talking about you as a basketball player. Yeah. You know, I'm like saying you're a bad yeah. person, but um, he was he was such a hard watch just to watch him do what I, he did. Looking back, didn't do like I openly heckled chuck hayes at those games (laughs) like when i would go to games like i would yell at chuck hayes and i'm not that kind of guy a and b like those arenas were empty and he for sure heard me oh i got marco bellinelli (sighs) marco was happy like i'm not gonna yeah i'm I'm not gonna disparage your pick but it was not long enough for me and like it was enough it, it was a very it was just a very Kings thing that have that whole experience was like of yeah for sure like go ahead and just like forget how to play basketball that's yeah, that's just like that's men par in, for the course go ahead the men in black thing this is yeah, him, just, him <laughs> shooting yep I can't shoot anymore then he went back yeah. to the Spurs and became just fine just you know like oh yeah really I, good I remember thirty eight percent from three and then I think he even went had a season with the Sixers where he was back to uh back to yeah. ways and um for three stuff. point three point shooting. Uh, he shot thirty percent in Sacramento. Do you know what he shot? Do you know what the the next worst three point percentage for him was? Thirty nine percent, thirty five, which is not bad. That's not bad at all. Like thirty five is like okay, that's fine. But the it went from thirty to thirty five over his his what twelve years in the NBA, thirteen years. That's so stupid. You know man. what? Speaking of that too, and we saw him last night. How about George Hill? Who obviously he, got paid a lot from the Kings, uh, and also was directly hampering the development of De'Aaron, uh, De'Aaron Cousins. Wow, De'Aaron Fox. Um, how bad of a season did he have? Because I remember it being pretty bad. But actually, it wasn't, looking at it, he shot forty-five percent no. from three. It wasn't on it was three bad. attempts, and no, it was not it, bad. It wasn't at all. enough. He was not passing the ball at all. Two point eight assists, and it he was enough. our only point guard. And they paid him twenty million dollars per season, I believe. I, I believe they signed him, yeah, twenty million per per year. So, oh boy. So yeah. you think I'm mad at Harrison Barnes, uh, for getting paid twenty million dollars and not doing anything? No, they they signed Zach Randolph the same off season, and Zach Randolph actually played to his contract. I think he averaged like fourteen and eight. You know what? You're saying fourteen and eight like it's nothing. I actually have this on record and it's a fact Zach Randolph led our team in scoring that season he did at he did 14 points he scored game. more than bogey more at than De'Aaron 38 39 years old what a random thing for him to just come here for one season even though he played like a, I don't want to say hall of fame but a, a pretty maybe he might be a hall of famer um he last might be I mean you know he's so, so, I mean, yeah. let me see let me That's see, let me see. Oh my god! Yeah, two-time All-Star, Most Improved Player, All NBA. He almost he averaged sixteen and ten almost. I mean, he might be he might get in. Uh, maybe not though. I don't know. He's borderline. I mean, he's he probably won't get in. He's probably in the Hall of Very Good. Um, 
you know, like the, the, the Weber yeah. Hall. Yeah, for sure. I mean, he's, similar he's, def- careers. he's definitely worse than Weber career wise, but like yeah. he was on, he like probably the second best player on a very comparable team to those Kings teams back in the day. You know, those Grizzlies grit and grind uh, teams with Marcus Gasol and Mike Conley and Tony Allen and all them. Like they were making the Western conference finals, I think twice. Um, and Zach was a huge part of it. So, you know, very, very comparable to C-Web for sure. I just, you know, C-Web also had the college fame and, and just the fame in general. So he probably gets the nod for that. But Zach, very solid. Also, Zach comes strapped, man. That fool had pounds of weed, from what I understand, in his backpack when he got arrested that the the summer before uh, <laughs> the summer before he, uh, he joined the Kings. That fool in a backpack had like three pounds of weed, which is that's awesome. Crazy. That's not awesome. Uh, <laughs> that, is, that is wild. I don't know what anyone is doing with that much weed in their, on their person. That's uh, not intending to distribute, hey man. Always ready. Always ready. Hey, um, Lance Stevenson. I think his nickname is born ready, born so, ready. Um, yep. that's about it. I mean, there's, yeah. we, we've, we've now talked about Zach Randolph's drug carrying, problem so on that note on that note uh that feels like a full episode to me see you after the halliburton after the halliburton revenge game uh final prediction before we go tyrese halliburton stat line i'm gonna go with a 30 and 15 assists i always yeah i always like to i always just like to go postal i mean that's uh, a career night man yeah i'm gonna go i'm gonna go uh 22 points 12 assists i bet buddy hill goes to 25 See, that's the important thing is Buddy Healed. I think Buddy actually does terrible. I think he goes one of ten from three. And I think he scores eight points. I love it. <laughs> On that note. Just, just for fun. Uh, all right. Well, for Frankie Cartelli, I'm Chris Watkins. Thank you all for listening. Uh, hope your March is full of madness. And I hope your t- brackets don't bust it. Um, that's about it. Uh, again, for us, uh, bye-bye. <laughs> <laughs>